In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. And this is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings, but necessary to maintain a strong republic. So I'm in the studio now, and I am wanting to talk about something that I feel we don't talk about enough. I'm kind of bringing you in on why... I'm kind of bringing you in on my own personal studies. (laughs) And I say this because I, I'm bringing you in on this because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between caucuses and primaries. And as we're going into 2024, um, there is a, something interesting that's happening. Um, Our younger people are becoming more involved in politics And they're going to be participating in our primaries. Um, And we have two, there are two primaries that happen on a national level that get a lot of attention. And it's the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. And there's a reason why they get a lot of, 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 of attention. But I just don't think we fully, fully, fully understand that. So in this episode, I'm going to try to jam a lot of information into one episode as to what is the Iowa caucuses, what are the New Hampshire primaries, why do they matter, um, how does it work. I want people to go on this journey with me as I fully educate myself because as I said before, as a millennial, I sometimes struggle with understanding certain things politically because we just stop talking to my generation. We stop teaching my generation uh, what it means to be a uh, like just just what it means in general to be a part of this process. And so I really, really think we need to go into that. So let's do a little bit of a deep dive into um, why these two states matter and why we need to be paying attention to it, even here in Georgia. So we're going to talk about what are the Iowa caucuses, what are the New Hampshire primary, when do they take place, why are they important, um, as well as what, why, which one do we think we like the most? Because caucuses and primaries are very, very different, and I personally lean more into caucuses. I kind of wish. We were able to have a caucus here, but the state is in Georgia um, because I feel like it would force people to be a little more engaged. It forces candidates to be more engaging. And to me, that opens up a opportunity for a more educated voter base. And I think that's what we're lacking. I don't think we have a very strong or educated voter base right now. 
So let's continue with this by starting with discussing what is the difference between um, the caucuses and the primaries. And if you're just listening for the first time, you can always go back and listen to my show um, on my podcast, which is also called Let's Talk About It with Janelle King for now, because I'm actually thinking about rebranding, but you'll be along with me on that journey. Um, but that podcast is found on my website and as well as everywhere where you get a podcast. But it's so much easier just to go to my website to take you to it. And you can either listen to it on your Apple um, podcast, your Spotify's. You can go to the podcast park that is um, owned by Extra. You know, there's so many different ways you can listen. So just go to my website. It's allthingsjking.com, allthingsjking.com. And there you can pull up my podcast and listen to my perspective on various variety of different things. And so, but to get started, let's just talk about the difference between caucuses and primaries. Okay. So the major difference between a caucus and a primary is that, well, first, before we go into the major difference, where are they alike? What is their purpose? Their purpose is the same. Their purpose is to select a political party or candidate to just various different offices. Um, primarily, the one that was most notable is the presidential nominee. Um, however, they, this is the nominee that represents their particular state, just like every other state. But what makes them different is the process. That's where we have a major, major difference. So... Caucuses are local meetings where registered members of a political party gather. So in, in, in Iowa, you have to register as either Republican or Democrat or whatever party, right? So you gather, they discuss the candidates, and they vote publicly by forming groups in favor of a, politi- of a particular candidate. So I want you to imagine going into a gym, like a school like a high school gym. So you go into the high school gym and imagine there are signs for each primary candidate on the Republican side and on the Democrat side. And as you walk in, you go in and you have to go stand behind the sign that represents the candidate that you would be supporting. It is a public showing, a public vote. And that's how that process works. There could be multiple rounds of voting as well, which would then lead to a realignment and much discussion. So imagine now you're standing behind your candidate and now there's like everyone's discussing and you have people running over there and saying, no, 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 you should be over here. You should be over here. And I mean, God, it's just, a, it's, it's a little bit of a crazy perspective to, 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 to process but or process in general, but just imagine that in your head for now. That's how this kind of works. Primaries is something that you all should be familiar with because in Georgia we have a primary, but this is where it's conducted and the state government is responsible for setting the date of the election. Um, and then registered voters can go in there, not just party members, and then you can cast a secret ballot rather than being public. So here in Georgia, there's like conversations around uh, 
you know, why, people being able to see your um, your 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 selection, being able to see who you're voting for because the screens are so big. Well, in Iowa, <laughs> that wouldn't matter. They're all for public voting. So, so you have a different situation there. Their primary can be open, but it's allowing for you to participate or it can be closed. But ultimately, it's very similar to ours here. And the reason why we're talking about the New Hampshire uh, primary as well as the caucus is because those are the two that take place in January. And later on, I'll definitely talk about what they are doing. But I want you to listen to this video that kind of gives you a bit bit of a snapshot into the caucuses versus the primary. And and then after the break, we're going to listen to the video. I'm going to come back. Uh, you're going to hear the audio. <laughs> and then I'm, once I come back, we're going to go into a little bit more of like what makes these things different. Why do we need to pay attention to it? And we'll just continue our conversation. So listen up. American states hold either a primary election or caucuses, part of which is to choose that state's top Republican and Democratic presidential candidates. So what's the difference between the two? Caucuses are elections run by political parties, while primaries are run by state governments. In an open primary, registered voters select whichever candidate they want, regardless of party affiliation. In a closed primary, voters must be registered with a political party, and they can only select a candidate within their selected party. But caucuses are different. In some caucuses, secret ballots are cast, while in others, people openly show support for their favorite candidate. Caucus goers gather to debate issues and share concerns. Caucus goers in Iowa's Democratic Caucus gather in groups to support their chosen candidate. If after the first round of grouping, a candidate doesn't have 15% support, they are deemed non-viable, and supporters in their group must either join another candidate's group or convince caucus goers in other groups to join theirs until 15% is reached. In the 2020 election cycle, primaries and caucuses will run through the early summer, but a party's nominee is usually apparent well before the caucuses and elections are completed. However, across the U.S., Democrats and Republicans won't officially nominate their candidate until the party's national conventions next summer. You just heard a little quick video explaining the difference between caucuses and primaries. Um, And I hope that kind of tied in what I just said, but give you a little bit more of an understanding of what the difference is. So after the break, we're going to discuss uh, obsessibility. We're going to discuss the timing. We're going to discuss a little bit more about the differences Um, in a more detailed perspective versus the snapshot. And then we're going to talk about the impact on these caucuses and these primaries. Like, what is their impact? What does it do to momentum? And how should candidates strategize in order to gain momentum when going into the caucus and the primary? You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back.
Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. Okay, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. And before the break, we were discussing the, uh, the what's the difference between the New Hampshire primary as well as the Iowa caucuses and we let's do a little quick synopsis um, and I gave you a little bit of understanding but I want to go into a couple of other things that make them different and because I want I want to know what you like I want to know if you prefer a caucus or a primary so what so let's talk about accessibility so with caucuses Caucuses are typically more time-consuming because it may require participants to be physically present at a specific location at a specific time, which they can limit participation as well. So, in other words, if you want to vote in a caucus, you can't do absentee, you can't go early. You, It's almost like having one day to go vote and you have to show up in person like ours. However... You don't have as many opportunities. Um, And then, well, I can't say like ours because we do have absentee voting here. Um, But in that case, with a caucus, you have to be there. With primaries, primaries are more accessible because they do allow for absentee voting. They do allow for early voting. And they just make it easier for a broader range of voters to participate. So in a caucus, you really are limiting that. Imagine going to like a state convention if you're a Republican or a Democrat and going to a state convention here in, in Georgia. Typically, that it's it, imagine that being where we determine who our nominee is going to be for the state. That's kind of that's kind of how that works. Another, let's talk about timing as it relates to other areas where they're different. Caucuses are scheduled events that occur at specific dates and times, as I said, and they're often done in the evening, whereas primaries take place on a specific date over a course of a period of time, which we talked about early voting. And that just provides a little bit more flexibility for voters. So if you're in a primary state like Georgia, we are campaigning very differently than like caucuses because of the fact that we do have a lot of um, we do have to pay attention as it relates to um, whether or not we are focusing on the core base that participate every single day, like our grassroots people, or whether we're messaging to individuals who are not. Why is this important? Because we have about 10 million. I'm going to use Georgia as an example. We have about 10 million people in Georgia, about 7 million registered voters. That means we got 3 million that we can go grab. Um, 
or need to be registered. Uh, of that seven million, if you split it into primaries, I believe in the Republican side, we take we typically get about on a good a- active voting year between two to three million voters that participate in a Republican primary. So um, that's a lot of people that you want to message to. And because we don't have a caucus type style here, we have a primary. um, I recall going to our state convention and on a high end, we'll have between four and 5,000 people there. So, if you're messaging primarily to the state convention, four and five thousand people, you're acting like we're in a caucus when we and you're missing out on the fact that we have so many other people that we need to message to. And then that leads to fundraising, which now you're fundraising heavily because how do you reach all these people through TV, radio, social media and all of that costs? So. Having the flexibility to bring in more voters is fair and it seems great, but it does make make uh, campaigning a little bit more difficult, I believe, than in caucus states. Something else where they're different is, uh, as we talked about, you know, the secrecy, right? I mean, caucuses vote in public and primaries are done in private. Now, let's talk about delicate, uh, delegate allegation, allocation. So delegates are allocated based on uh, the percentage of support a candidate receives during the caucus. And that is based on, like I said, those public go get and stand behind your particular candidate. In the primary, delegates can be allocated through various methods, including proportional representation, winner takes all, or combination, depending on the state's rules. So I know we were talking about doing like a rank voting system. There are some people who wanted that here, some people who didn't. Um, here we have a system where in Georgia we have a system where if you, even if you have the majority of the vote, you don't outright win unless you have 50 plus, 50% plus one extra vote. So not 51%, but 50% plus one extra vote. So it can be 50 point, you know, four or five or something like that. Um, But you still have to hit that threshold. And there are some states where you, I forgot which state it is, but there are some states where you can just have the majority. So that being said, um, the allocation process is different. Now, influence Now we're getting into the juicy part. (laughs) Caucuses tend to be more influential in smaller states because they take place on emphasis on and they emphasize grassroots and organizing, personal interaction and, and, and between the candidates and the voters. So you have like the fair that they go to, you know, a lot of times a lot of these these candidates are living in Iowa because they know that they've got to have direct contact with these voters. They've got to be directly connected to the um, directly connected to uh, just the voters in general. And they have to be uh, more personable. It's just it's really, really different. It, it, it really focuses more on what we call retail politics. 
And I think that's something that uh, where some candidates are really, really good at it and some are just not. Let's talk about DeSantis when it comes to that. So Governor DeSantis is very much so a policy guy. He's super smart. I mean, very, very smart. Graduated high in his honors. I mean, he's Navy. He was a part of the JAG. Very smart. And a lot of people are like, well, he just doesn't connect with me. Well, I, I didn't feel connected. And I know that there are a lot of people who are just not campaigners. They're they're good at policy. They're good at governing. And I happen to think he's one of those people. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I'm endorsing him or anything like that, but I do think that he is one of those people who are not necessarily great campaigners, but they make great governors. They make great leaders. And uh, and I think we need to also pay attention to that and, and have some um, just kind of make put that on our radar when we're looking at candidates and we're trying to decide who we should support. Now, primaries, typically, when we're talk, going back to influence, they often are used in larger states and they place a premium on a broader voter participation and appeal. Uh, I, I like to think that with caucuses, they can go in and have a message that is a lot more personable, more direct, whereas in primaries, you kind of stay on the macro level because you're trying to harness the support of a large group of people at which majority of those people you probably don't have a direct contact with. But how does this impact or how do these caucuses and these primaries, now that we know the difference, now that we discuss key differences between the two, how, what, what is the impact on public opinion and the media narratives? Caucuses, in my opinion, like I stated just a few minutes ago, tend to focus on a micro level. I think, you know, with caucuses, you can really have these really deep conversations with individual voters and get into the nitty gritty of things. Now, the negative to that, and I saw this because there was a particular candidate who was on Fox and they were in Iowa and they uh, were taking questions from the audience. And the one of the questions was centered around um, agriculture po- policy around farming, like p- policy that farmers would would really understand but maybe not so much people who are not in that industry. And this particular candidate was struggling a bit because uh, they, you know, they were trying to give this high level perspective because that is what primaries in most states require. And this particular person was just like, yeah, but you're not showing me that you understand what's happening when it comes to, you know, as it relates directly with our particular party. I mean, when I mean, I'm sorry, our particular issue. You're, you're not showing me that you understand what's impacting Iowans. And so I think that was kind of interesting because while retail politics allows you to connect deeply with voters, it also puts you in a position where they're, they're hoping you understand what they're dealing with on an individual level, on a very more micro level. Whereas primaries, on the other hand, is so media focused because they have more of a macro approach. So primaries, typically you find yourself focusing heavily on uh, what's being talked about, what's happening on a very high level, what's being ha- what's happening in the news. What are what are people what are the masses talking about rather than these specific small industries? Now in Georgia, we're very unique because we have our rule and we have our metro area. So you almost do have to have an understanding of two types of Georgias, right? 
But and you would think that's the case in other states. However, when you're running on a federal level, on a presidential level, you really just don't have the capacity to remember every little small thing that's happening in everyone's situation. So you find yourself in a situation where you are trying to connect, but at the same time, you just don't have all of the information. And that's what happened to that candidate. So while retail politics may be more uh, personal, more connecting, it does require you to have more of a deeper understanding of policy. Now, when it comes to the idea of momentum and its role in primaries, I think we have to determine first what is driving this momentum. Because when it comes to caucuses, when it comes to states like Iowa, the momentum driver is probably very different or maybe not a whole lot different because a lot of people do watch the news and it's still connected to media and stuff like that. But there's still a a major difference as it relates to messaging. Because when you start looking at these narratives, again, we're going back to micro versus macro. Prime example, let's say there's a narrative centered around... um, manufacturing and industry, right? And you're just like, we've got to go, you know, if you're talking about the Keystone Pipeline or if you're talking about, you know, just making sure there are more job manufacturing jobs and things of that nature, you need to be able, if you're in Iowa, you got to go in there and have more of a deeper understanding of what that means for Iowans because they're going to ask you these questions and because you're going face-to-face with them, you're going to have to make sure you answer that. So, Whereas with primaries that are happening happening and taking place on a more macro level, as long as you know what the narrative is, where you stand on it, and how you're going to either combat the other side or support the side that you actually believe in, there's there's an element of, of impact that happens to your messaging. You're scrutinized on a much higher level than that individual set, right? If I can go up to a young person to have a conversation about LGBTQ issues, I probably can win them over if I'm talking to them one-on-one because what I'm saying just makes common sense. But when it comes to dealing with a mass group of people who deal in that space, having a message that's going to win over a majority of them or all of them is just really, really difficult because each person has their own reason for why they feel the way they feel. And primaries typically allow you to have that retail campaign approach, uh, a retail politics approach to a certain point, to up to a certain depth, right? So you got to you, you, you gotta make sure that you're, you're, you're combating or you understand that you're combating influencers, you're combating social media, you're combating just all of these different narratives. However, that's why I believe that researching each and every individual, reading their websites, listening to their interviews. Thank God for YouTube. You can YouTube any presidential candidate and a ton of videos and interviews will pop up. Listening to those interviews, hearing what's coming out of their mouth, reading what's on their website, that is the only way I believe, particularly on in primary states or macro levels, that you can fully understand what's going on. And that responsibility has to be up to you as the voter. And 
that leads me to what are we saying? And I do think that we're living in a time now where the, there are a lot of people who fear the message because of the momentum. They fear agreeing with someone who doesn't have the momentum because we almost shun them and we make it seem like you're just you're stepping into a, a, a territory that's just not we're not a fan. <laughs> Whenever you find yourself kind of saying going against the grain. So going against the grain does make people feel like they're going to kill their momentum. And then that affects their message. And I think that happens more so in primary states than they do in caucus states or in Iowa. So how should candidates strategize in order to gain momentum? Because what I'm noticing right now is that it's all about clickbait and it's all about endorsements and it's all about money. And while that is true and you have to pay attention to those things, the problem is you're, you're, you're furthering yourself away from the people because the clickbait goes to a, a small major, a, a minority of people that are the loudest and that respond to that. Nine times out of 10, I watch a ton of things on social media, but I can guarantee you that I am not out here taking their word for it. But there are a lot of people who are. There are a lot of people who are. So we've got to make sure that if you're a candidate, you're strategizing. In order to gain momentum in Iowa, we're seeing this happen now. You've got to be on the ground. You've got to be talking to people. You've got to understand what is actually concerning them. It has to happen. Okay. Now... Let's talk about the democratic, I mean, um, the demographic breakdown. Okay, let's talk about the demographics. So, the composition of 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 and the breakdown in Iowa and New Hampshire is kind of similar. It's pretty close. They differ when it comes to the a average age, but they're pretty similar. So, Iowa is primarily a white non-Hispanic state that has over eighty five percent of their population identifying as white. It's not highly minority driven. So if you're messaging the Iowa, you're probably going to lose a lot of Gen Zers. If you're if you're mess, if you're talking to the Iowans directly, you uh, and you, you, you can have a better understanding of some of the issues that they have. Right. But if you're trying to message on a macro level. Speaking on a lot of like the minority focus issues, and when I say minority focus, I mean as far as diversity, diverse focus issues, uh, addressing some of those issues, how you do that is tricky because on a macro level, that is okay because you have other people listening from other states. But on a micro level, you may lose some people because you might be talking over their heads because there's certain things that just are not identifying with and they're not experiencing. But then again, you may win some because they may just disagree with it, with, with how things are happening, particularly in diverse communities over as a whole. Well, the median age in Iowa is 38 years old. Well, that's interesting. Um, and it's, it's pretty much evenly distributed and where it basically says a, a significant portion of the population in Iowa that that makes up that 38 years of age um, are 25 to 44. That's pretty young. That's pretty young. 
Iowa's pretty young. Uh, New Hampshire, on the other hand, while they are 90% uh, 90 of the population identifies as white, they are a little bit of an older population compared to the national average. Their median age is 42 years of of age, and a substantial amount of of, of these residents are between the ages of 45 and 64. So we have two totally different messages that are going out to New Hampshire and Iowa considering what these individuals care about. And when you think about the fact that millennials and Gen Zers are focusing a lot on economic inequality, not economics as it relates to what we are saying as much, but we can all tie it in. I think that's still a good way to message to them. But they're also concerned with climate change. They're also concerned with immigration. But they, like I said earlier, their idea of immigration and, and, and fixing our immigration problem is not the same as what we're talking about in some cases. So while New Hampshire is a primary, this is very interesting, and Iowa's a caucus, our candidates have to figure out how do I talk to these majority white base, right, not knowing exactly where they stand on certain issues, with them with one state being um, having a medium income, a medium age range of thirty eight years old, and another state having a medium uh, median age range of forty two years old, where majority of the voters that would be voting are forty five to sixty four years old. And you got to have a macro discussion in, in New Hampshire and a micro discussion in Iowa. It's pretty interesting. That, to me, speaks to the importance of these caucuses and these primaries. But before we go there, let's talk about the urban and rural influences. So in Iowa, Iowa has a balanced mix of urban and rural areas. And New Hampshire has a more pronounced mix of rural and urban areas because they have certain cities that are very, very active. Um, But what are the issues that matter to Iowa and what are the issues that matter to New Hampshire? Well, Iowa's economy is the, is largely driven by agriculture, manufacturing, and renewable energy. Those three areas is what drives that state, and that means that that's going to drive a lot of voters. Whereas New Hampshire is a state that uh, their economy is a little more diverse, but and, and they are strongly focusing in on technology, manufacturing, and healthcare. So if you talk about manufacturing jobs and, and things like that, you could probably pull in both. But the core, their core issues are a little bit different. So, again, we're back to having those micro discussions and those macro discussions. As it relates to identity politics and ideological diversity and different differences and all that stuff, you don't really have to worry about that because the majority of them are white Americans or Caucasians, however you want to say it. Now, Iowa uh, does have a younger population, so um, they may want to hear about where do you stand on certain diversity issues as it relates to um, black and brown individuals. But, again, it's, you know, that's, that's, that's based off of age, not necessarily ethnic breakdown or ethnic backgrounds. So... Before we go to the break, I want to talk about how important are the results of the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. Well, first, they're the first in the nation. So the timing is very, very, very key 
to why we follow this, as well as the fact that they have two different approaches. And the momentum that comes, like the boost that comes from the candidate that can do well during these, they get media attention. Uh, they'll see an increase in their fundraising. And all of that just happens to build extremes amount, extreme amount of momentum. Um, another benefit that comes from this, or another reason why these caucuses and this primary is important, is because it does dwindle down the, the I would say, it kind of dwindles down the field of voters. Um, oftentimes, a lot of candidates drop out if they don't do well in the Iowa caucuses, if they don't do well in New Hampshire, um, because they're, they're, uh, they take place in January, whereas March is the primary. So if you want to, if you see you're not doing well, you kind of can jump out and you can endorse, and hopefully that particular candidate will come out of the primary and you will be able to be in good graces with them uh, going into the general election. Another important result that comes from the caucuses as well as the primary is, like I said before, the retail politics, you know, um, they have to interact on a very personal level. An opportunity to test the ground, uh, a, a, a cross-section of, it, it creates a cross-section of demographics as well as political views. So if you perform well in these states and you're able to demonstrate that you have the ability to appeal to this broad range of voters, then that definitely gives you some momentum going out, coming out of these primaries if you do well and going into the general. Now, historically, there's a significance because both states have the history of producing some really surprising uh, reactions or surprising results. Um, They've been known to see relatively lesser known candidates come out and become, you know, extremely powerful and even go on become president due to this national stage. A prime example is Jimmy Carter. I know Jimmy Carter... Um, in 1976, he did well, and that catapulted him, as well as Barack Obama in 2008. So that leads to the last important point before we go to break, and that's electability. So this is definitely a sign of electability if you can come out of the caucuses as well as the primary, and you are doing well. That being said, we're going to go take a quick break. I hope I gave you some background on what this is, what the difference is, and just this is more of an educational uh, show and and podcast because I I think we need to be educated. So we're going to break, and when we return, we will go back. I mean, we will finish up by talking about early predictions and the potential front runners, the timing, when are these going to take place, and uh, what does that mean for us? And I have some data I want to share. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. 
In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have missed the majority of the show and you're joining me for the first time, don't worry because the entire show will air at on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. And you can go to my website, allthingsjking.com. That's all things, T-H-I-N-G-S, J-King, K-I-N-G. Dot com, all things jking.com and you can click listen to my podcast and you'll once you click that button it'll drive you to all the different platforms and you can pick the platform that works best for you so before the break I gave you a breakdown on like what's the difference between the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary why is it important what can come from these two opportunities to elect and nominee to go into our general, particularly we're talking about on the presidential side, even though they do use this for other stuff, other races as well. So what's on the horizon for 2024? Well, the Iowa Republican presidential caucus takes place. It's held on January 15, 2024. And then in 2024, New Hampshire Democratic presidential primary is taking place tentatively on January 23rd. So here's the thing. We know that both of these are going to take place in January. Very, very early. We are about two months away. A lot of people are predicting that Trump is going to be the Republican nominee and that Biden will be the Democrat nominee coming out of these. And that's what they're fighting for. And I think that's because everyone sees him as the only option to beat Biden. I think people see Trump as like, this is the person that's going to beat Biden. And I actually believe that Trump can beat Biden. I really do. I also think there are other Republicans that can beat Biden, too. My concern, though, is that I want to put a Republican in there that cannot just beat Biden, but can beat whoever the Democrats pull out because uh, they're looking at the tea leaves. They're reading the tea leaves just like everyone else. They see the data. And there's a new poll that came out. Uh, News Nation and Decision Desk HQ did a, ran a poll where they uh, polled a thousand Americans, mixture of Republicans and Democrats, and they wanted to know how they feel about the state of the world as a whole. And let me read to you really quickly what came out of this poll, because this is really important as we look at making sure that we pick someone that can win in the in the general, as well as win primaries. According to this poll, 56% disapprove of the way the president, President Joe Biden, is doing his job. And if you break that down by party, 85% of Democrats approve of Biden, whereas uh, 61% of independents and 90% of Republicans disapprove. Respondents listed China as the biggest threat to the United States today, by, uh, followed by Russia and then Iran, where we found that Democrats thought Russia was the biggest threat and Republicans, surprise, surprise, thought China was the biggest threat. Inflation is something that most of us can agree about. 93% of Americans are concerned about inflation, which is why I think we have to definitely keep a business focus going on. I think that's key to winning a general election. 
after an inflation, Democrats were most concerned about crime. Can you believe that? We think that they don't care, but they were most concerned about crime, uh, while Republicans are most concerned about immigration. And I think there's a way we could tie that in, right? Like, I think that we're not anti-immigration, even though we come off that way sometimes, and we need to make sure we clear that up and do better messaging when it comes to that. But while we are not anti-immigration, we do believe that we got to pay attention to what's happening in our border because that affects our crime rates. And that's something that I think that we can really message to Democrats to say, hey, we're just saying that we are with you. We agree. Crime needs to be paid attention to. We got to pay attention to it. But we got to. But we're paying attention to it from the perspective of like making sure that we don't have this wide open border that leads to people from Hamas and Hezbollah coming in and sneaking in by wearing plain clothes and walking straight into our country and then setting up sleeper cells that can that they can activate at any moment. Okay, back to the poll. <laughs> After inflation, uh, Democrats were most concerned about yeah crime. Republicans were most concerned about, about immigration. And then they found that some of the respondents uh, supported, I think it was 49% of the respondents supported Israel. 10% was with Palestine, Palestinians, which we believe that that's mostly the younger generation. Yeah, because then it says that 26% is saying they sympathize equally between the two groups. And these tend to be our younger voters between 18 and 34. So 26% of the thousand that of Americans that were polled but primarily the 18 to 34 year olds said that they just sympathize with both sides of the aisle. Um, I mean, both sides of the conflict, meaning I think they, they are really, they're really, really, really leaning into uh, the, the innocent lives that are being lost on both sides. They don't fully understand that the the concept of casualties of war. I don't think they fully understand that Uh, Hamas knew that there would be casualties on their side when they decided to invade Israel. So Um, I I think we need to not give them so much grace when it comes to this. They started this. Everyone was living in peace. And I know some people may say, well, no, the Palestinian people were not. But uh, they they weren't being bombed. They weren't being bombed prior to um, that grave day in October where I think it was October 7th. So, you know, what we're dealing with right now is more retaliation and protection. Um, we can't keep telling Israel to stop firing and we're not telling Hamas to stop. I mean, a ceasefire doesn't work if you are only focusing in on one side. Uh, both have to stop or we're going to have a lot more dead Jewish people as well as Americans because there are some Americans who died over there as well as there are Americans that are being held hostage. So that's that. But moving on, I think we just need to have a better conversation around that because innocent lives on both sides does matter. 52% said that they approve of President Biden's handling of the war between Israel and Hamas. It's not bad considering that his approval rating, um, that 56% of people disapprove with how he's doing as, as a president. Well, 52% said that they approve of how he's handling the war. And as my husband says, I mean, a lot of these presidents want to be wartime presidents because that allows them to kind of show their leadership. And particularly, this is happening during an election year, so we'll see how that plays out. 63% of people surveyed said that the United States is on a wrong track, with 41% of that 63% being uh, made up of Democrats, and 86% of Republicans agree with that statement. So let me say let me say it like this. So overall, 63% of people surveyed said that the United States is on the wrong track, but 41% of Democrats feel that that is true that's still not a lot i mean i mean it's it's a larger portion but 
Um, it's not enough to really just automatically say that he's going to be taken out. And then 86% of Republicans, which is not surprising at all. We need to make sure, as I'm coming to a close, that we look at this data. Because this data, is, is to me, is showing that Biden still has an opportunity. He still has a chance. There's still a lot of voters that will still vote for him. And I was talking to a, a former Democrat uh, leader who is still involved in the, on, the, on the ground. And they were saying that, you know, there are a lot of people, particularly in Democrat districts, that will vote for Biden even if he's in a wheelchair. They're going to hold on to that. How do we address these people? I think we need to pay attention to that 61% independent. And the best way to do that is to speak in their language. Let's step outside of the old school campaigning process. Let's speak to younger voters through podcasts and streaming. Let's make sure that we pay attention to that. We have an event. Our PAC, Let's Win for America Action, has an event coming up where we're doing, we're bringing in an organization called Our Children Have Rights. And that organization is going to be working with parents and those and, and individuals who are dealing with custody issues and co-parenting issues. We're focusing on things that speak directly to people's hearts and not just talking to them with talking points. And I think because we have such an ever-evolving uh, role, and, and, and I mean, technology is just ever-evolving, and social media and campaigning is starting to become hand-in-hand, hand, we've got to make sure that our messaging is up to par as well and that we're paying attention to these data points. So I'm going to leave it right there. Um, I hope you learned something during this podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Again, this is Extra 106.3. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you again next week. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.